Hello, everyone. Hello, welcome to Tea Time History Chat Live with me, Philippa Lacey Brule. A warm welcome to you. This is where we talk about people, places, events in British history. Um, I'm here every week doing this live stream. And today, we've got quite a few anniversaries this week, actually. So I've picked out a few that I thought you might uh, like to talk about. Uh, apologies, by the way, if you uh, are joining me on YouTube or Facebook and saw that I'd scheduled it for tomorrow. Don't know why. Clearly, I thought Wednesday was the 12th. And it's not. We're here on the 11th of October. So um, thank you for joining me live. I'm streaming on Instagram, YouTube and Facebook. And you're very welcome here if you're listening live and also if you're on the catch up and you're listening on the podcast, which you can grab on YouTube um, and also the British History Podcast on all the various platforms. If you want to know everything, where I am doing, whatever I'm doing, all the things that I do, then you can sign up to my Substack, which is the best place, philippab.substack.com. And you can um, then I send out links basically of everything I'm doing. So that's that's all good. So uh, yeah, so let's get on with today. Hello, everyone. I can see you all joining. Welcome. Uh, just as a reminder before we get going, that if you want some more live history, then tonight I am live with the girls uh, doing History After Dark. That's Dr. Kat Marchant and uh, Catherine Brooks, Catherine Ibbotson, I should say, Ibbotson Brooks. She uh, so, so we are going live tonight. It's the roundup um, of the last three Gits that we've been discussing in the Deceased Gits series. So we'll be discussing, I think it's Uncle Norfolk, um, Queen Victoria's mother, and uh, William the Conqueror. So they will be our people we're discussing later. So, but anyway, for my live stream today, I thought we'd look at some of the anniversaries that we've got. So we're going to be talking about the, the raising of... Let me know if you can hear me okay, by the way. Um, the raising of the Mary Rose. I did speak about the sinking of the Mary Rose uh, in July on the anniversary of it sinking. So I'll try not to repeat myself too much. But there are a few things that I think are very interesting about the attempted salvage of the Mary Rose. For anyone who doesn't know, the Mary Rose was Henry VIII's, the flagship of his of his. Uh, of his fledgling navy and she was built only a couple of years into his reign and she sank a couple of years before his reign ended so um so she spans his his reign devra thank you so much for the badges thank you devra you can um just like devra you can support me with badges on instagram you can support me with stars on facebook and um super chats and things on YouTube. Please though, even just for free, it really helps if you hit the like button, if you hit hearts on Instagram, that all really helps as well. And obviously if you comment as well. So thank you so much. There's, there's plenty of ways of supporting me for free, but obviously I am very, very grateful to anyone who uh, who feels like they can donate. It does help very, very much. So um, there's another way, of course, that you can support me, which means I can give back. And that's by joining my Patreon. And a lot of you already have. There are loads of different things you get in Patreon, um, including early access to historian interviews, the chance to ask historians your own questions. Um, we're in, we have book club in there. We're currently 
um, voting on which books we're going to cover in 2024. Um, you have um, extra photos and things like that that I share when I'm out and about in places. You have discounts on online history festival tickets. So the Tudors Online History Festival, which is coming up in November, you get a 10% discount on those ticket prices. You get all sorts. Yeah, all sorts. So, but I would like to give a shout out to Suan, Andrea, Char, and Vicky. They have all become patrons recently. So, welcome very much to them. And this Sunday, everyone, so whether you're a Patreon or not, um, has access to the latest historian interview on my YouTube channel. It's with Nicola Tallis, Dr. Nicola Tallis, about Margaret Beaufort. And whether is she really the pious, stroke, power-hungry woman that we're led to believe? And there's, you might guess from the fact that we've that, she, that Nicola's written a book about her, and that I've wanted to interview Nicola about her. That there's far more to Margaret's story than you might think. Um, we go through her marriages and how much she uh, had input into her marriages. Um, the, just also how how ambitious was she really for her son Henry when did that start how did she have an influence on that the risks she took there is it, it, the chances that that Margaret Beaufort may have been um may have been found out and you know accused of treason and executed for treason were really quite high and Nicola goes into this in my interview with her that will be available on Sunday on my YouTube channel and on the British History Podcast. By the way, if you're searching for the British History Podcast, this is one thing I didn't think of, but then it is the name of everything I do. Um, if you just search British History, you get all sorts of brilliant podcasts, but they're not all mine, obviously. So if you're looking for my podcast, um, please look for the one with my face on the uh, on the thumbnail that is that's the giveaway that's the one that I've done so um that interview with Nicola is actually already available to patrons so again another great reason for becoming a patron and you can do you can join at patreon.com forward slash British history but like I say even if you're not a patron that interview will go live on Sunday on my YouTube channel and if you have signed up to my Substack, um Philippa B substack.com just check I've got that right um then yes it is philippab.substack.com then you will get a link to the historian interviews as they go live you also get a link to the podcast as it goes live so you don't actually have to go searching for it at all if uh, if you do that so that's all easy peasy hopefully for you uh and um and the interview with Nicola is 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 really good. I think you're going to enjoy it. And like I say, if you're a patron, you've already got it. Um, and have a look at it. You get it ad-free and extended because Nicola's answering the Patreon's questions. Right. So this week, though, we're talking anniversaries. We have a we have a few. And like I say, the Mary Rose is one that I'm going to go into in a maybe maybe the most detail, but we've got a few to go through. The Mary Rose is uh raised from the seabed on this day in 1982, hence why I'm talking about it today. It's also the day that Henry VIII was created a fide defensor, so defender of the faith. Um, so just a little bit about that. It is the day that um, the regicides, so these are the people who 
signed the death warrant of um uh sorry we're a few days before so the 13th this week is the anniversary of where the first regicides those who signed the death warrant of charles the first uh began to be executed and i have a favorite um sort of ditty about that so i will uh, i will share that with you um and also um we are only the day before so tomorrow is um yeah tomorrow with the 11th tomorrow is the anniversary of edward the birth at hampton court so let me tell you about my recent um my recent visit to the room in which he was born and unfortunately his mother died a few uh, 12 days later so let's get on which one should we do first which one should we do first? We can do, because um, it's quite quick, uh, Henry VIII's Defender of the Faith. Because what I found interesting about this one, so he's um, so uh, Henry VIII basically wrote a pamphlet. Uh, afternoon, everybody. Hello, hello, Emma. Um, hello, everyone. Sorry, <laughs> I shouldn't pick out names because I don't get to everybody. But anyway, so Henry VIII, uh, he writes a pamphlet defending the Pope. It's called um, the Declaration of the Seven Sacraments against Martin Luther, because Martin Luther has started to, well, he's he's pinned his was it 75 um, objections to uh, certain ways that the church is working at, at this time. And, and Henry, um, good old pious Catholic Henry, decides to, to write a pamphlet in defense of of the church i i don't think martin martin luther was trying to say we've all gone a little bit off track here let's get back on track but anyway obviously we know that that's not quite how it was uh was was uh accepted now um when of course we know henry the eighth then later so this is 1521 um october the 11th 1521 henry is conferred with this title of fide defensor and um obviously we know then in the 1530s henry is breaks with rome and he breaks from the roman catholic church and at that point uh so pope i should say pope leo the 10th is the one who gave him the title by this point uh, when he he um he he spits from the church um you have pope paul the third who who takes this title off him but the king now is the king is, excuse me is the head of the church in england and so parliament in 1540 i i've read two dates but i think it's 1546 because that's the church of england's date uh the parliament give him the title back so um and it it has been a title that goes with our monarch ever since and from the time of george the first i think it is yes george the first it actually you can actually see it on the coinage on our coinage as well um so so there's there's so that's one anniversary from today actually we've got a lot of tudors so let's do let's do as well because uh, i because this ties in with some of my travels Tomorrow is the uh, is the birth date of Edward the Sixth at Hampton Court Palace, and if you have been following um, me on Instagram, you will see 
that I was there in that room only a few days ago. Very, very fortunate that it's actually the third time I have been able to go into that room because the, the room that Jane Seymour gave birth to Edward in is not on the visitor route. And um, it, it's actually a training room. It's used uh, sometimes for the um, the people who are uh, uh, the, the room guides and the the actors, the interpreters who are at Hampton Court Palace. So it's used it's used as their kind of um, changing room sometimes. So it's not an area that you can get access to. So um, good morning, Melissa. So uh, so I've been very very fortunate that I have been in there three times so far this year twice on tour so um it was wonderful that my tour groups um in may and july were able um to uh sorry may were able to get into hampton court and um i mix it my years seem to have been like i'm condensing my years but either way tracy borman gave us a talk in that room and um it's i am a bit sad to say it is Georgianified. Now, I wrote about this in my newsletter last week. The Georgians, for all their, I actually quite admire their external architecture. I quite like the symmetry. I quite like the the organised look of it. But when it comes to the interiors, they are stark. They are stark. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, Jane Seymour's bedroom has had the Georgian um, treatment except the fireplace and the doorway. So, yeah, Melissa's saying she got, got teary in that room. It is, um, yeah, it's a sort of, it's, it's an it's a emotionally charged room in that, in that respect. It is a, um, it's somewhere that something, something significant has happened that you've, you've talked about, but also um, uh, it is, it's the room in which Jane Seymour also died. So 13th, sorry, excuse me, 12th of October, 1537, Jane Seymour gives birth to, to Edward. And what was, um, what was great and, uh, about my visit and, and also I, I shared this the other day, the view out. So if you look out of the window, actually to the left, you'd see, um, part of the Mary and William palace, the colonnade. But if you look to or colonnade, 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 so to the right, as you look out, you see the um, you see the astronomical clock of, that Henry VIII put there. So that's the, the 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 tower there, and the Great Hall to your right. And you can't imagine that she could have been in that room and not watched the christening procession that processed through the courtyard. Um, yeah, so we've got uh, Melissa, Becky, Linda. They've all been in this room with me in the last couple of years at various on various tours, um, and we are very lucky to be able to have got in there. Like I say, it's not on the visitor route, so um, um, yeah, people are people like they like my tour groups, so they like to uh, to t take us to these places. So we're, we're I'm, I'm very grateful. Um, but like I say, so the view is. As you can imagine, Jane seeing it, the fireplace is the same. 
and the doorway is the same. Everything else is really quite stock. There's another little fireplace put in. Presumably um, the bigger one was covered up at some point. I don't actually know. I've never asked. But there is a little fireplace in there as well. Um, so maybe that was put in as the working fireplace. I don't know. Um, and um, it was only 12 days later that Jane Seymour um, succumbed to her postpartum infection and and died in the same room. And of course, Hampton Court went from being a place joyous with the um, celebrations of the birth of and uh, christening of Edward, the, uh, who would, sorry, Prince Edward, who would become Edward VI, to a place of mourning when um, when his mother dies. But so it's really special to be in that room. If you didn't see um, the pictures, check, check out my Instagram or um, sign up to my Substack and have a look at the um, the newsletter I did last week, and uh, and it's all on there. So, um, all very, all very, very interesting. Um, and of course, if you love the Tudors. Let me see if I can segue smoothly into this. Um, just as a reminder, we have the uh, Tudors Online History Festival coming up on the 17th to the 19th of November. And um, we have, I'm going to tell you because we've got quite a few speakers and they are incredible. Um, so we have Ileary Lynn talking about Tudor fashion, so the evolution of style at the Royal Tudor Corps. If you actually think about if you think about what uh, when you see in portraits of uh, Henry the Seventh, Margaret Beaufort, um, and um, say Elizabeth of York, right through to then, if you think about the end of the Elizabethan period, there's actually there's a there's quite a change in fashion there when, for both men and women. So Elyria is going to be talking about that. Estelle Peronk is talking about Henry the First and Catherine de Medici which is the, um, yeah, she wrote the book Blood, Fire and Gold, which we've discussed before. She called it the pursuit of a mother-daughter relationship because that's really fascinating, really fascinating how Elizabeth I and Catherine de' Medici um, interacted on that sort of level. Um, Gareth Russell, who, of course, we're talking about the his, uh, Hampton Court Palace, he's just written the book The Palace, uh, which is 500 years of history from the Tudors to the Windsors. I haven't got the exact title right there, but that's that's his book. And he's talking about um, Edward VI. So we just talked about Edward being born. Edward VI's best friend, he's a guy called, guy, he's a guy called Barnaby Fitzpatrick. And, uh, and Gareth's talking about the rise, fall and rise of Barnaby Fitzpatrick. Tracy Borman, the wonderful Tracy Borman is talking to us about Anne Boleyn and Elizabeth I. Cat Marchant, has done a very interesting talk uh, on Shakespeare versus the Puritans. So we've got some theatre in there. Joanne Paul, Dr. Joanne Paul, is talking about the House of Dudley, just the women, and they are pivotal in the Dudley story. And Joanne, with her work for her book on the House of Dudley, was able to uncover a lot of their stories. Um, oh, sorry, my... Uh, I've just realised I've missed loads of comments on Instagram. It had frozen, sorry about that. My comments had. Hopefully I hadn't. Uh, James Clark uh, is the seventh. So we've got seven speakers. He's the seventh speaker. Um, they, actually, they may not come out in this order. I've still got to put, I've still got to decide which order to put them out in. But he's talking about the dissolution of the monasteries, Henry VIII and the dissolution of the monasteries. Um, 
if you can't make the the festival live 17th and 19th of November then or or you can't make all of the talks don't worry because all of the talks will be available until the end of January 2024 we also have a, a live speaker Q&A on the Sunday evening uh, which we're going to do an hour and a half so you should get a chance to answer, ask your questions and there it's the, the speaker panel is the speakers. So the speaker panel is Illyria Lynn, uh, Tracy Borman, Estelle Peronk, Gareth Russell, Kat Marchant, Joanne Paul and James Clark. Um, followed by Catherine and I setting, <laughs> doing a fun quiz. See what you've learned. See what you haven't learned. <laughs> but it's just fun. It's just a, a really nice way to end the festival. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so you also get 10% discount on Tudor Places magazine. If you sign up, you get um, entry into the free prize draw. One person will win a ticket refund. So they'll get the, the price of their ticket back. One person will get an Amazon gift voucher for 15 equivalent to about $15, $15 and whatever that is in yours. Uh, Tracy Borman um, is donating an audible version of her book, Anne Boleyn and Elizabeth I. Illyria Lynn uh, is donating a signed copy of her book, Tudor Fashion. And Joanne Paul is also um, uh, donating a copy of her book, The House of Dudley, A New History of Tudor England. Um, that's for UK only, unfortunately, with... Uh, Fortunately, with postage and being so expensive and unreliable, um, that is a bit of a constraint on on these prizes. But there you go. There's quite a lot of prizes as well to be won. And remember, if you are a patron, you get your so the tickets are twenty pounds, um, unless you're a patron, in which case they are eighteen. Um. So, yes, oh God. Henry the Henry Second and Catherine de Medici. Yes, that's right. That's uh, that was. That was that's the Catherine we're talking about. Um, so yeah, so if you want to grab your tickets, then please do go to um, uh, the Tudors Twenty Twenty Three So everyone, I thought I'd just take you through that. I just realised I've just been chatting about that for a while, but anyway, I think you're going to absolutely love it. Um, I've been watching the videos to in order to get them edited and and ready and. Uh, you're going to learn a lot. It's cool. It's really, very good. I'm very, very proud of it. So now let's talk Mary Road Sal Mary Road Mary Rose Salvage. I don't know if any of you watched the raising of the Mary Rose on this day in 1982. I was only three years old, so I didn't. Well, I didn't watch it, but um, but I've seen many videos since, and of course, you you have. Uh, the Mary Rose finally being lifted from the seabed on this huge yellow, um, what would you call it? Sort of cage, um, and then and then one of the support snaps, and the the top of the cage seems to come down, and uh, and it looks like it's crushed the Mary Rose. Uh, anyway, apparently it just had damaged one of the timbers or a couple of the timbers, and they were easily. <laughs> easily uh fixable but wow that was the culmination of so 82 th there was a guy in the 60s let me get his name i should really should tell you his name who decided not cradle thank you Doug, um 
decided that the Mary Rose couldn't possibly have been lost forever. This is what, you know, there was sort of thought that the Mary Rose actually had been lost. And that is because of a 19th, uh, sorry, uh, well, a 19th century um, uh, attempt to, I was going to say to raise it, actually it wasn't. She was discovered again in uh, in the mid-1800s and she, uh, and, uh, by, um, early, well, sorry, 18, yeah, June 1836, and fishermen in the Solent found that their, their nets were snagging on something. Um, so, <laughs> I know, I got the, you thought I was younger than you. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, not if you saw me in real life. Um, but yeah, so so 1836. So nothing's been heard of the Mary Rose. Presumably, it's known about in local legend. Maybe there's been lots of wrecks in the Solent. Mary Rose is one of them. The, the site of the um, uh, of the of the sinking, maybe it's lost. Anyway, she um, but but fishermen's nets start to snag, and so they. Um, they figure that there must be something down there and, and that it possibly is the Mary Rose. Now, what it seems to be is is they are far more interested in the monetary value of the salvage um, than actually trying to save her. Or, I mean, it's a good job, actually, she's not brought to the surface because the technology that's being required to preserve the Mary Rose and, and and she's now stable and preserved um that technology wouldn't have existed so it's probably a good job that 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 um that they weren't actually trying to salvage her but at that point they did bring up some bits and um some timbers um they um they brought up some of the ordnance from it and all this has been um lost so well i say all i think there's there's something on display in the bna i think um apparently a cannon in the tower of london which i didn't realize so i'm gonna have to have a look out for that next time i go um but a lot a lot sort of was was lost um so there's then a story. This is why I'm saying that it's incredible that, that, that someone decided they wanted to go and look for her. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of the guns were, sorry, so some of the guns were recovered. That's right. And then it says the site was abandoned in 1843. If you want more information, by the way, the Mary Rose website is brilliant. Um and then they go on to say, as the Mary Rose has been relieved of much of its salvage as could be recovered, the site was scheduled for demolition. Um, which is why I've titled this live on Instagram. But actually, I can't remember exactly what I titled it. But anyway, something about it being blown up. It's it's scheduled for demolition, literally blowing, being blown up, presumably so that it's not bothering the traffic in the Solent anymore or the fishermen. Um so there are sources that say that it was destroyed, um, but there are other 
references that cast doubt on that. And so it's not actually sure whether it was attempted to. Um, I'm presuming that sin as it did clearly still exist, <laughs> that um that that they didn't try and, and demolish it. Um so yeah, and it's another 128 years until large timbers were seen again protruding from from the uh, from the, the seabed. So you've got a man called Alexander McKee, who in 1965 decides to start a project called Project Solent Ships. So I said there's 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 multiple wrecks in in the Solent, but he was he really did want to find the Mary Rose. Um, and they used sonar scans and sonar scans and found um, sort of anomalies in the seabed, and um, and then they, they, well, you would not want to dive in the Solent unless you were looking for something specific. It's not like diving in, you know, in the Mediterranean or the Maldives or something. I mean, I think they are they're very dedicated, and um, and. So he does this in the 1960s and between 68 and 71, him and a team of volunteer um, uh, divers uh, go and try and find, well, they go and explore the seabed around around the Solent um, and they end up, they do find three three parts of the, of the port, is that right? On the Mary, on the first of May, nineteen seventy-one. So they 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 find evidence of Mary's in seventy-one. They've been diving since sixty-eight. <laughs> the 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 when I first read a few years ago about the the full story of the the salvaging of the Mary Rose, the one thing that came across loud and clear was the t the the yeah the tenacity, the dedication of the people involved to find her. And then to um, bring to, to to save the um, artifacts on board, and then to to bring her up it was in, it's just incredible. So um, so they then set up a um, hello Martha. They then set up the um, um, uh, sorry, I'm just reading the, the comments. I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Um, yeah. So then then set up. Um, a charity because it's going to get very expensive and the planning involved must have just been immense you've not just got to plan for the um for diving down and finding her but then you need to plan for what you're going to bring up how are you going to store it who's going to store it where are you going to store it and then the ship herself um to bring to the service that's that's and then 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 what so so they um so they uh set up this um charity it's got um full-time staff it's the the um the patron i should say the president of it is well is our current king charles he was prince of wales at the time he does do a dive down to the site as well um in his younger days um and it took over 500 volunteer divers and i have i think it's 19 i have the i have the um the figure here somewhere it's like 19000 dives 
let me get this for you because it's really incredible. So between, sorry, excuse me, between 1979 and 1982, 500 divers made around 27,000 dives. 19,000 is the number of artifacts they managed to salvage. Um, and they work in shifts so that they can cover the most, you know, they can get the most done. Um, really amazing. So, yeah, so she's brought up from the seabed and towed into Portsmouth Dockyard. And she's towed at that point into a, um, uh, a, a dry dock. And she has to have jets of water sprayed on her because if the if the timbers dry out, they're going to crack. They're 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 full of water. So if they start to dry out, you've got you've got um uh say cabins, you've got pockets which are going to be full of air instead of water. And of course, water actually water gives some stability to things, um, to materials. So um yeah, so 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 there's that. And now, if you go, if you're lucky enough to go, and I'm going to put the Mary Rose into a tour because you can, um, because I can arrange for us to go and see some extra bits that aren't on display. I'm very excited about that. So I've just learned about that. So I'm going to put her into into a tour. But if you are lucky enough to go anywhere, you've you've been recently, she has her a whole building to herself now. It's absolutely fantastic. So around the dry dock they have built this purpose purpose building over the time I'm trying to think now what year it was when she was opened up to the air again it's only a few years ago so brought up in 82 92 200 over 30 maybe 30 40 years nearly nigh on 40 years um she um is is the drying process and to, to stabilize her so that she can actually be open up the air. And yeah, 19,000 artifacts. Um, and what I discovered today, which I hadn't realized, now this is quite shocking in an interesting way, is there's still part of her down there. Yes, and the Mary Rose sank in 1545. Um, but she was salvaged on this day. She was brought up to the surface on this day in 1982. So yeah, there were still parts of the Mary Rose on the seabed. I didn't realize this. And the reason um, that I found this information is because there is advice to, um, to people using that um, part of the, the sea. <laughs> people still uh, operating there to, uh, there's, there's strict instructions about what they can and cannot do in that area. But yes, so um, apparently there's still significant remains of the Mary Rose still buried in the seabed. More timbers uncovered and surveyed during the dive seasons in tw uh, 2003, between 2003 to 2005, are, um, are still there. So some have been reburied under the sand, maybe for future generations to go and see. I mean, it's, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize there were still some parts of the ship still down there. Um She's very atmospheric when you go to to visit her. The, the museum have done a, an amazing job, um, and it's it, yeah. There's something about it. There's something very, very. Um, I want to say emotional, but I don't think emotional is quite the word I'm after. Um, there's an energy anyway to the ship, and yes, nineteen thousand artifacts brought up. So not all on display, um, but they brought up everything from cannon 
through to wicker baskets. Um, so all range of stability of, 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 of materials, uh, materials that, you know, you just wouldn't expect something like a wicker basket. But of course, being buried in the mud and sand of the Solent had some um, uh, preserving uh, properties. <laughs> so, um, so it's really amazing. But that's not the, I mean, as well, I should say, I've jumped right to the salvage. But if we go back, so we know there was a, um, obviously there's been this attempt to find her and, and see what they could do with her um, from the 1960s with a few people who have been just been incredible in this journey with her. Um, and then the 19th century, there's this salvage operation, but really that's to try and get things of value. And then they want to destroy the site. Luckily they didn't. But, but right back, we should say right back to the time of the Tudors, straight away after she sinks on the 19th of July, um, 1545, they are trying to uh, to bring her up to the surface. And you have, um, so yeah, Cherry, um, the, the decks, how small they are, a bit hard to tell actually. Oh, yeah, the ships are a lot smaller. When you go to Portsmouth Historic Dockyard as well, I think it's definitely worth going to see the other ships. Um, you have the Warrior there and you have the Victory, HMS Victory, and you get an idea, although they're later ships, you get an idea of what it would have been like to be on a warship as a sailor with the cannon, um, with your... Uh, sort of living quarters being the exact same place as the cannon that you're in charge of and um yeah really so that's that's always worth doing as well so yeah so so when the Tudors oh sorry excuse me when Mary Rose um uh sinks it's not unusual for ships to go down and she doesn't sink uh well either the waters are shut I I Heard different things. I don't know whether it's because the waters were shallow or because actually a, a, a ship has some buoyancy, even though they've gone down. So the masts are still uh, visible above the waterline. And um, the Lord Admiral, who's John Dudley, so um, he he features in Joanne Paul's book about the House of Dudley a lot, of course. Uh, he He gives orders for salvage operators to come in the people who this this is their job and they were going to raise the Mary Rose and the way they did that is to put two cables underneath the ship attached to two other ships they would sail away raise the Mary Rose up um in the water so that she can be boarded I presume to to remove some of the heavy items um the ordnance by the way it was worth the equivalent of like two million pounds today maybe more actually um and so it's not just a matter of the ship going down they wanted the stuff off it <laughs> uh so anyway so she would sort of be brought to the surface and then pumped out and and raised to to the, the to the surface of the water because she's not damaged so it's the battle of the solent that she goes down but she's not damaged so actually it's a, a writing of her and she should be able to sail again. So this is an incredibly um, uh, 
important warship, both in terms of what it says about Henry. You know, this this he it's one of the first things he does as king is get uh is get three ships. Uh three ships, yes, um commissioned. The Mary Rose, this is off the top of my head now. Um the Peter Pomegranate and oh, what was the other one? There's another one. Someone can tell me. Um Oh, Jenna just said Peter Pomegranate. Yeah, there was another one there, wasn't there? I'm sure there was another one. Um, I can't remember what happened to them, actually. I can't remember what happened to them. Also, interestingly, just as an aside, if you um, if you have read about the Armada maps or you saw my video on the Armada maps or read my blog on the Armada maps, these ship names come up again and again. So when they lose a ship, the ship name you'll see later on. And some of these... Um, uh, some of these names that we recognise from Henry VIII's fleet turn up again in Elizabeth I's fleet. Um, anyway, so so it's a it's a symbol of Henry VIII's reign. It is it is flagship. Um, she's worth a lot of money, and everything on board is worth a lot of money. Um, and it's not unusual, particularly for these ships to go down. So it should be a fairly run-of-the-mill operation and so they are looking to um to bring her back to the surface it's fairly quickly so she sinks on the 19th of july and around the 3rd of august um so just a couple of weeks afterwards they're they're, they're looking to be bringing her back to the surface and um charles brandon writes um to who's he writing to I can't remember who's he's writing to but he he writes and he says oh yeah we she's going to be out of the water today or tomorrow uh, you know, off the off the righted, whatever by by today or tomorrow. So fully expecting um, um, her to be her to be raised up. Lisa, would you know if there's any books about sheep sheep? Sorry, ships <laughs> of this era. Well, that's a very good question. There must be someone must have written a book about about warships at this time. But I don't know about one. That's a very good question. Um, and if any of you have read um, the book, um, oh, what's the name of the book? Um, oh, I've lost my my notes on this now. I don't want to say it. And oh, yes, I do. Miranda Kaufman. That's it on Black Tudors. If you there's there's a chapter about. Um, the Mary Rose in there because later on they're still trying to salvage these um all the ordnance and everything they're trying to get get it and uh there is some I think it's Venetian team who come over Venetian boss and then he has a team and um some of the divers are um are from um Africa or oh, they seem to be of, of African origin and the 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 thought is that they they learn to swim and it's a thing that English uh sailors don't appear to have learned to swim like as if it's a bad luck charm as if it's kind of admitting that you might um you might need to I, I still I don't know that still sounds so bizarre to me but anyway that's apparently uh how it goes um so yes yeah, so even though they've given up on getting the ship they haven't given up 
on getting the ordinance. So the ordinance, you know, the canons and all, all these things that are worth quite a lot of money. And um, and they there's, there's a team of eight men, Jacques Francis, uh, John Ico and George Black. I think they're all from, of African origin, definitely Jack Francis's. And the reason we know anything at all about um, Francis is that he is a witness at a trial of his uh, boss at this point. So his boss with the um, uh, trying to raise the ordinance uh, from the Mary Rose, his, that boss, Corsi, his name is, uh, his, uh, he's, a, he's, a, he, he's tried uh, a few years later for stealing off another salvage site. And so um, Francis is, is brought in as a witness. Um, and yeah, so it appears to be they, because they live on islands and islands with rocks presumably there's lots of well yeah the story goes that there's lots of um shipwrecks and so salvage is a thing that they do and they're in, just incredible because you're here before diving equipment so they're diving down they can hold their breath they're just very um well, it's a skill they're skilled at it and so they're brought in um so that's absolutely fascinating it tells us a lot about you know how people are um wanted for their skill at this time um it's it's not a there's not a an issue with where you come from it's probably an issue with what you believe there's not an issue with where you come from um and 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 these men um yeah have got job salvaging from ships but unfortunately they still didn't manage to to get much much up i don't think um so um it's it's interesting that that they that that he turns up as a um as a witness as well at a trial um because that, that he's a, he's a, only three men could give um testimony and some people see this as an exception but actually I haven't seen anything that says he was anything other than a, a paid employee of or contractor if I, I suppose we'd call them contractors um of the salvage operation but so the Tudors did make an attempt to get the Mary Rose up. They didn't just go, oh, there you go. Never mind, lost another one. They did attempt to get her up because she, she should have been whole. Uh, well, she would have been whole at that point. The French didn't. I think the French claimed that they had hit her um, but uh, with a cannon or whatever, but no. I think the overriding theory now is that she's sitting quite low in the water and um, that on the... <laughs> on the um uh, the, the turn she did that that water entered the lower gun holes uh <laughs> sj has noticed my cushions thank you very much <laughs> um you can't really see them on instagram because it's blurred on my background but they're bees the bees philippa b i have a bee on my ring as well <laughs> so um uh yeah so that's that's they're, they're the anniversary so next week I'm going to be talking about King John. And the reason I'm going to be talking about King John is we have, well, next week is the anniversary of indeading, in indaying. Uh, but also this week, so I'll talk about these together, uh, it's the anniversary of losing all the crown jewels in the wash. So we'll talk about that as well. Um, Lisa says if they'd raised uh, her, the Mary Rose, then we may not have her today. That is very, yeah, that is a very good point. That is a very good point. Um, so, 
coming up tonight, as a reminder, History After Dark, it is the roundup week for the last three Gits and the Deceased Gits series. So we will be ranking them, we'll be scoring them and giving them, putting them in the Deceased Gits League table. So please come along and you can put in your score for how. So we, we score them on uh, what they were like in their personal life, their professional life, depending on who it was, what their legacy was how gittish their legacy was. And then we asked the audience to score them on their culpability. How much were they actually in control of all of those things? So please do join us at 8.15 tonight on history.after.dark on Instagram and historyafterdark on YouTube uh, because we'll be um, we'll be scoring the last three, uh, which were uh, the Duke of Norfolk, uh, Queen Victoria's mother and... Um, Last week we did William the Conqueror, so some interesting candidates. And like I say, next week I'll be talking about King John, so I'll be here, same time, same place. In the meantime, like I say, if you sign up to my Substack, my Substack is free, by the way, you can, you can support me on Substack, but don't want to complicate matters. It is where you can get a free newsletter from me each week um, with a sort of mini blog, but also links to historian interviews that have gone out and tours um that have spaces um things like that and you can sign up to that at philippa b b hence the b's on my cushion philippa b dot substack dot com grab your tickets for the tudors festival it is the tudors 2023.eventbrite.co.uk the tickets are 20 pounds unless you're a patreon Patreon on my Patreon on my Patreon, hmm. in which case you get the tickets uh, at a discount. They're eighteen pounds, and you can join my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash British History. And if you love books and you want to discuss books with fellow geeks, then join Patreon and you're part of the book club straight away. Right then, everybody, thank you so much for joining me today. And like I said, if you want to know more about the Mary Rose, please check out the Mary Rose's um, Mary Rose Museum website. It's really, really good. MaryRose.org, I think it is. Um, but yeah, check that out. It's uh, It's got loads of information about Mary Rose. And yeah, thank goodness we have her. Isn't it wonderful? So uh, I will see you all tonight, hopefully, or next week. All right. Take care, everybody. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.